afternoon, evening, or morning, Faith Promise, wherever you're at. It's great to see you guys. Man, welcome to all of our campuses, Pellissippi and North Knoxville, Anderson and Campbell, Blunt, Internet, whichever, wherever you're worshiping with us. You know, as you watch that video, there is one thing that every single successful farmer knows, and that is there is a process. You just don't throw seed and then it produces a harvest. And so we're going to talk about this weekend as we go through this series about roots, called Roots. We're going to talk about the process. Before we get in there, let me just share some good news. Last weekend, we had 1,300 more people than we had the same weekend a year ago. We really are experiencing a hundredfold harvest. God is blessing. Can you imagine that? 1,300 more people. It is just amazing what God is doing. It really is the year of the hundredfold harvest, and we're excited. Uh, also, let me just tell you, the offerings are up and off the chart. Lots of new people have joined the generosity journey, and we're getting Facebook. We're getting emails. I'm getting people stopping me. We're hearing all kind of stories of God's favor and how people are giving and how God is blessing them. Amen. We just thank God for those who have been on the generosity journey and others of you that are going to join that journey. As a matter of fact, you know, because you're so faithful in giving, uh, this coming week, starting Sunday afternoon, uh, we'll start our first of, first of two youth camps, and then we'll have a camp for our kids. There will be hundreds of students and children at camp just really focusing in for days on Jesus. Then turn around, and we had the same thing with kids. All the people that are giving up their time, giving up vacation time to go and minister, it is just amazing. So pray for camp, student camp this coming week, if you would. Just lift that to the Lord and, and, uh, and pray for those students that are, are going. And that's just, some, just part of the stuff we get to do because you guys are so faithful in giving. This past week, I was given an opportunity to write a, a forward or, or promotion for a new book coming out called Life Verse. This friend of mine I've been doing ministry with for, prob- for almost 30 years now, uh, Dave Edwards, and Dave's man of God and a great guy. He wrote this book, and I really hadn't read anything like it, and it's awesome. And when it comes out, I'll let you know. It'll be a while before I read the manuscript, and they just asked me to just write a blurb for it. But, but one of the things that, that rocked my world is I'm reading it, and in the introduction, he talks about all these spiritual leaders and what their life verse was. These are men and women who literally did achieve their potential, who did, just did enormous things for God. And, and what, at the end of the race, what we found out about them is they were guided. Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. And if there's anybody that tried to evangelize the world, it was Bill Bright. And who really believed that and just, I mean, literally put the gospel in front of billions of people. And so their life verse was what gave them passion and drive and vision. And the reason I tell you that is because we're going we're gonna to look at a passage in Colossians because we're in the middle of the book of Colossians. And I think that this verse, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, might become my life verse. And we're going to zero in on it, so I hope you've got your Bible with you. If you will, just turn to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to see the process of the great apostle Paul, what gave him passion and vision and drive, what it was that motivated him, that kept him going. It's really sort of the how and the why of what he did ministry-wise. Does that make sense? It's it's how we did it, and it's why he did it, and it's just the deal. And so we're going to... We're going we're gonna to walk on that and work through it. It says in verse 28, we proclaim him 
admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose, this is my reason, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. And so, again, this was Paul's, this was Paul's process. This drove him. Now, what's shocking to me in 32 years of ministry is this. If, if you're listening, say I am. How many saints believe that a process is unspiritual? If there's any kind of forethought, if there's any kind of planning, then obviously God can't be in it. I mean, I just hear that, well, you know, any preacher that prepares for a sermon, man, he can't be led by the Spirit. No, any preacher that does prepare is a junkie preacher. And nobody wants to come hear that. So you, you, you see, people say, well, man, I, you know, process, that's just not of God. Have you noticed creation? Have you noticed the processes and the accuracy? Do you know that we can predict the sunrise in 100 years from now to within a few seconds? Do you know that we can predict the high tides or low tide in 100, 100 years from now? How do we know? Because God created this orderly, process-driven universe for us. And so if we're going to grow to reach our full potential, if we're going to be all that he wants us to be, then we've got to follow his process, which is to be rooted in Christ, rooted in Christ's word, and rooted in Christ's house. That's what Colossians is all about. Again, our sort of the theme of this was out of verse 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established. Uh, Colossians 2, 7, it's sort of the, the theme verse out of the book. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening to Sam... What is your plan to be more like Jesus? We can call it sanctification. We can call it discipleship. We can call it personal growth. We can call it spiritual formation. doesn't matter what you call it. What is your plan of being like him, being firmly rooted in him? Because isn't it God's will that each of us grow? Excuse me. Absolutely. So what's your plan? Farmer Matt, in those videos every week that introduces the message, he always has a plan. Knows when to plant, what to plant, how to plant, how to prepare the ground for, ground for planting, how to fertilize the plants, how to weed the plants, how to cultivate the plants, how to harvest the plants, and how to get the maximum amount out of the farm. And that's what we want to do. That's why we grow. It's the reason that I wrote the book, The Plan of Your Life, to help people get a process or a plan to grow. And again, most people don't plant. They just don't do it. The number one command of the Bible is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. Right? Right? No, most important thing in the universe, loving God. And most people who say they love God don't have a plan to learn to love God more. Isn't that sort of crazy? I mean, it's, dumb as a, it's really dumb as a stick. What we actually spend our whole lives doing is getting ready for retirement. Now, I want to explain that to you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, let's say you retire at 65. 65. The average life expectancy in America is 78. You spend your whole 65 years getting ready for 13 years. Now, if you're saved, are you going to live forever? Where? So I'm going to spend all 65 years getting ready for 13 years that's not even a blip on the eternal radar screen. Isn't that right? 13 years doesn't even measure on eternity. It's too small to even, to even get in there. And so we're going to spend all our life working on 65 years when we have forever to live. That just doesn't make sense to me. We're all going to face eternity. We're all going to stand before the Lord. And what we're doing now is going to depend on, it'll depend on how, you know, we're rewarded and all the stuff that goes on in heaven. 
So get involved in the process. At Faith Promise, we have a process from the front door to the kitchen. And we say from the front door to the kitchen because people knock on the front door you don't know, right? And then people, you get to know them, you'll let them in your house. They're in the foyer. Maybe you get to them better than get to the living room. But your real best friends, their kitchen. You know what I'm talking about? They come in, you go straight to the kitchen. You skip right past the couch. Why? There's no food or drink on the couch. We go right, baby, to the Frigidaire. We're opening it. We're getting And you know how really you can tell how good of friends you are if somebody opens your refrigerator without asking. Man, they're tight. Now, I feel like I, everybody loves me, so I, I just go to all refrigerators. But that's just because I've got a good, you know, self-worth. But, but it's, it's so kitchen. My small group, we spend all our fellowship time in the kitchen. Wow, we're in there eating. We're drinking. We're sitting around the counter. We're, we're talking. We're fellowshipping. And so we've got first-time guests in a small group or, or one of our campuses for worship all the way to being a part of our core. There are five things in the process that people would be, number one, saved, number two, baptized, number three, they'd find a place to serve, number four, they join the generosity journey, they're giving to God, and number five, they're growing, which means to be in a small group for a spiritual accountability, for instruction, for all the things that Paul talks about today. So in Colossians 124, it says this, now, chapter 1, verse 24. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, is filling up that which is lacking, what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. He left some suffering for us to do. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. Paul said, God called me to serve, but he, I serve for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery that has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And again, 28 and 29, three things Paul does. We proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may, what? Present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea and for all who have not seen, uh, personally seen my face. And he goes on. It's really, it, you, you feel the, the heart of a spiritual leader because that's what Paul is. And Paul is shepherding all these churches over a huge region. And, and so, but, but really, again, I want to zero in on verse 28 and 29 of chapter 1 because it's the heart of the leadership at Faith Promise. Our staff, our pastors, our leadership team, our elders, all of our volunteer leaders, people uh, that, are, that are involved, man, it's the heart to help people grow. As a matter of fact, I, I had Josh look this up this week. Do you know that we have over 600 people that are teaching the Bible every week at Faith Promise? That's awesome. 600 small group leaders from preschool to amen, get, yes, Amen. 600 are teaching the Bible to preschoolers, to children, to middle schoolers, to high schoolers, to, to young adults, and, and all the way up to senior adults. Over 600 people, students and adults, are teaching the Bible. Why? Because we want to help people grow. We want to get them into the process. So before we look at the three things that Paul did, look at the reason why he does it in the second half of verse 28. So that, this is why we do these things, so that we may present 
every man complete in Christ. Remember we said present is to stand beside or near someone. And Paul said that we may present, Paul said that I may present everybody complete in Christ, full court followers, radicals for Jesus, people that have reached maturity, people that are on fire. He said, I want to help people achieve their full potential that God has placed in them. And it's a driving focus for this ministry, a faith promise. We want to help people achieve their potential. Do y'all believe that? Man, it is. It, 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 that's why, as you saw in the video announcements earlier, the GLC Global Leadership Conference price is going up another week or so. There's cards in the seats at every campus. I want to challenge you guys. I know it requires taking a day and a half off work, but I'm telling you, we need to be better leaders. Amen? And it is an unbelievable. Last year was off the chart. And so if you could all go, man, you, the, you can see it. It's in, your, uh, it's in the seat back in front of all. It's in all of our campuses. Take that card out. Sign up. I promise you, you will be glad that you did. We all need to be a part. All right, so three things. Again, it's just part of the process of growing. Three things that Paul said I do. Number one, we proclaim him. Paul said we proclaim Jesus. That was the focus of Paul's message. I like what uh, George Whitfield says. Other, said, other men may preach the gospel better than I, but nobody can preach a better gospel. There are a lot of better preachers than me, but nobody's preaching a better gospel than I'm preaching. And so that doesn't bother me. People are better. I listen to better people. Man, I learn. You know, I do podcasts and go watch sermon series and learn and steal things from other preachers and all that. But nobody's preaching a better gospel. And so Paul said, I proclaim him. To proclaim is to announce or make something known. Paul preached Jesus to people that did not know Jesus. He preached Jesus to people that had never heard of him, people that had heard of him but didn't know what he was, people that, you know, at all different walks of life all around the known world, Paul went and preached Jesus. He was making Jesus known to people that were far from God. Now, whether he was preaching to thousands or whether he was preaching to one, See, we're all called to proclaim Jesus. Is that right? Now, maybe you're not called to stand in front of thousands of people on the weekend of faith promise to proclaim Christ. Maybe it's your coworkers. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your classmates. Maybe it's the people on your team. Maybe if you go camping this summer, maybe it's the people in the campsite next to you. Maybe it's your neighbors. I don't know who it is, but we are all called to proclaim Jesus to people, to make him known. Is that right? Is that right? To who? Paul says it three times in one verse. All men. And that, now, do you think he meant all? See, in the Greek, you know what all means? All. Thank you very much, you scholars. Yes, indeed, he all means all. Doesn't mean some, doesn't mean part. It means all men, women, boys, and girls. We, we want to proclaim him. Then he said we admonish him. Now, admonish is a negative word. It means to warn or exhort people. It's dealing with sin and judgment. Now, again, the word, carries, the word itself is negative, and nobody wants anything negative in America, right? So we want to be real positive and positive preaching, and, and man, I'm a positive kind of guy, but you know, it's hard to be positive about hell. It's hard to be positive when you're looking at someone and telling them you're sinning. You're blowing it when you're warning people to flee from the wrath to come. 
But guess what? It is, it is never loving not to warn someone. If you knew that the bridge was out down the street and it was foggy and you watched cars pass by knowing they were going to go over that bridge. Years ago, they, there was a, a tug operator in Louisiana right outside of Nolens, and he hit uh, one of the, the supports and knocked the bridge down. It was foggy. Car after car rode right off. I don't know how many people died. But see, we know the bridge is out, don't we? But the other people are living in the fog, and they don't know that the bridge is out. And if we don't warn them, hey, you're about to go over the edge, we're to admonish people. We proclaim Jesus, but we warn or admonish people that there is a judgment that's coming. And sin separates us from God. We, 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 there's no way around that. If you've read the Bible, any at all, it deals with that. Then he says, I'm going to do what? We, we proclaim him. We admonish him. Then the third says, we teach all men. Now, it's an emphatic voice three times, all men, all men, all, every man. Do you think again, he meant everybody? I had no question. Now, this is a positive word. It, it, it connotates teaching about Jesus. He said, we teach every man with all wisdom. He goes on talking before and after this, these two verses about the mysteries that were hidden from the prophets and the people of God for centuries. Moses didn't get it. Abraham didn't get it. Elijah didn't get it. Isaiah didn't get it. The prophets, matter of fact, the Bible says the angels long to look at the things that you and I have experienced in salvation. Mysteries that were revealed to, to the, first, the New Testament church through the apostles and through the teachings of Jesus that people have been wanting forever. Law or grace, which one do you want? Come on, give me some grace, baby. Give me some serious grace. And, and so it's, it's the heart of faith promise that we teach people the word. And we start in preschool, and we're teaching in the Bible. We start in children's ministry. And then we, they're under strong preaching at every campus with our student pastors and through middle school and high school. And then they, they have great small group leaders and they move into adulthood and move into a different kind of ministry as they sort of mainline into the body all the way across. See, we want to teach people the Word of God because it is the will of God that you walk in victory. Y'all believe that? The peace of God, the presence of God, the victory of God. The, the, the power of God, the love of God, the shalom of God, and the only way to receive those is those things flow from the heart of God, but you have to know what's available to receive it. Does that make sense? If you did not know that someone deposited a million dollars in your bank account, you couldn't spend it. Now, if somebody does, let me know. See, if they did that, you'd have to know that you had that money available so that you could spend it. We have to know the Word of God to know what's available to us as children of God. Does that make sense? And so we've got to teach the Scriptures, study to show yourself approved, the workmen that need to not be ashamed, accurately handling or rightly dividing the Word of truth. Your Word have I hidden in my heart, O God, that I might not sin against you. Your Word is refined in the fire, tested seven times. Your Word is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. Your Word, O God, is better than gold and silver and precious jewels. Your whole Psalms 119 is all about I love your Word. And so what do we do? We teach the Scripture to the people that want the Scripture. Not everybody wants the Scripture, do they? 
Not everybody's going to obey the Scripture. And we hate that. We loathe that. But it's our responsibility to teach the Scripture, and it's your responsibility to respond to the Scripture. Does that make sense? Now, we live in a world and a day where truth is now relative. You can't say this thing is absolute truth because what's true for me is not true for you, and what's true for somebody else is not true for me. That's why there are many ways that lead to God. That's why relativism rules in America. Are you with me? And young adults, listen, if there's anything on the planet that's authoritative, inspired, inerrant, infallible, living Word of God, it is the Bible. Amen. Come on, somebody help me in the house. And so it's the deal. Now, we can't do this on our own. It's too hard, isn't it? It's spiritual warfare. It's all this kind of thing. So in the prophet Zechariah says, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, thus says the Lord of hosts. And so Paul says, again, these are the three things I do, and these are the reason that I do the three things, you know, that we may present everybody complete in Christ. He said, this is, this is my purpose in verse 29, for this purpose. For this purpose, without a vision, the people are unrestrained. Without a vision, the people perish. A lot of people wonder why they're not happy, why they have no fulfillment. They're believers. They go to church, but they wonder, how come I don't? I hear what you talk about every week up there, Pastor Chris, but I don't seem to experience that. It's not what I'm getting. I believe the Bible, but I don't understand why I'm not living that. Maybe you're not living on purpose. Maybe you're showing up. Because, see, we created a church culture in America 50 years ago that your deal is to show up. Somebody's going to preach at you, sing to you, and then you go home. Isn't that right? See, the reason the Apostle Paul was so fulfilled when he was beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, and, and faced all these things, why? Because he had a purpose. And it was to present every man and woman born or complete in Christ. For this purpose, I labor. Now, can, can I just tell you about ministry? Ministry, whether you're vocational or volunteer. Vocational, you get paid for it, volunteer, you do it for free. There's really no difference in vocational and volunteer, except one person does it 40 hours a week and other people do it not as many hours because they're working another job. But, but the deal is that, that Paul said, I labor. Labor means to work to the point of exhaustion as if you had taken a beating. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever worked so hard it felt like you took a beating? Man, it's gotten hot here recently. We're not sort of used to 90 degrees yet, are we? We're not used to humidity. We will be, but we're not yet. So in the last week or two, if you've worked all afternoon or evening or all day in the yard, you felt like you were beat up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Drag in, sweated five pounds of water off, thought you did something good. It was all found back the same the next day, but... But so, so Paul said, listen, I labor. I am working to the point of exhaustion. I, man, I am, I, am, I am giving it all I have. So I, I want to tell you, you know what, what sort of we presented ministry, to volunteer ministry especially? Hey, it's easy. Come show up 15 minutes before service or, hey, come do this. Or, hey, it's just not very hard. It's not very much. Is that all that we give Jesus? Is that, our, is that ever the calling of the New Testament? It's pretty easy. It won't take you long. Is that anything that we read in this book? No, Jesus said, I need you to come die with me. 
Paul said, I die every day. Paul, Jesus said, if you follow me, everybody's going to hate your guts and want to kill you, and it's going to be all right with you. I mean, and we say, it's just you. Hey, you don't need to do much. Just hang out a little bit. Come on. No, 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 no. Paul said, I labor. I work to the point of exhaustion as if I have been beaten up. Then he goes on and gives an even stronger word. He said, I labor striving according to his power. Striving is even a strong word. It's agonizomai. Is that word sound familiar? Agonizomai. It's where we get our word agony from. It is to struggle as if you are an athletic event or you are in a fight. Now, most people have never been in a fight. And if you watch TV, fights are not like what you see on TV. They don't last 15 minutes. Both people would fall over with a heart attack. Nobody could fight 15 minutes. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, when I was a, when I was a junior high, I boxed. And can I tell you, three minutes in the ring is like forever. Can't hold your arms up. Just go ahead and hit me. Knock me out, please. Dear God, somebody help me up in here in the house. Man, I mean, you know, that's why you know, a wrestling match or whatever, they don't last long and they stop. Why? Because people can't go that long. And Paul said, listen, not only do I labor to the point of exhaustion, but I am, I am agonizing. I am struggling as if I am playing football or soccer. I am struggling as if I am in a fight. I am giving it everything that I have. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, have you ever walked off, you know, whether you've been at work or a sporting event or somewhere and said, hey, I left it all on the field today? Y'all know what that means? Paul said, I left it all on the field. I left it all out there for other people. It requires serious energy, spiritually and emotionally and physically, if you are going to expend energy in caring for other people. You know what I'm talking about? Because, see, when you begin to care for other people spiritually, then they begin to look to you for encouragement, for energy. They begin to look at you to help sort of sustain them and be there for them. And can I tell you, if you don't have a power source, it will suck every bit of life out of you. I mean, the bulk of the emails people send to me, my life's falling apart. I'm this, I'm that. You don't understand how, but please help me. This is going on, that's going on. I walk when, when I, I, all the Pellissippi, I walk around before and after the services, and man, I pray with people and talk to people. And, and listen, if I didn't have a power source, it would suck every bit of life, and I would just drop dead in the parking lot. Does that, does that make sense? And, and so, when you, so if you're not serving, 1,500 people at Faith Promise know what it's like to sweat some holy sweat. Dear Lord, pray for those people at camp. Can you imagine going to camp with 300 teenagers? Look up purgatory in the, in, the te- in the dictionary. That's what it is, camp with 300 teenagers. But they're going to go labor. They're going to go agonizomite. They're going to go lay down their life for some students that are going to be saved. There'll be students called to the mission field. There'll be students called to the ministry. There'll be, there'll be all kind of glorious things that are going to happen at camp. That's why I ask you to pray for it. But it would not happen if some people didn't say, I'm willing to lay it all on the line. I'm willing to give my life. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do, man. I'm willing to be there. Man, God is expecting some return on his investment of his son into your life. Amen? He's expecting those of us that are born again to, to, to give back, to serve, to care. He said, I labor striving according to his mighty power 
according to his power, which mightily works in me. I love the word power. It's dunamis. We get our word what? Dynamite. It is energy. It is, man, it is power. And this is what's so cool. This is what's so cool. I want you get this. Because some of y'all are missing this. Some of you are going to understand this. But if you're not ministering and serving and involved in pouring your life out on the field of caring for others, you're not going to get this. See, when you decide to, I'm going to be involved in serving, I'm going to lay down my life in caring, guess what? The energy of God is going to flow through you. The power of God is because all those folks, those adults going to camp, they're going to experience the energy of God this week. God is going to move in them. See, we think anointing and empower, well, that's for preachers. No, it's for people serving God, caring for others. Preachers, missionaries, small group leaders, people care for students or kids, people in the family ministry, whatever it is, man, God is moving. And as you decide, I'm going to invest my life in the kingdom of God, not build my empire, my retirement. That's not going to be my primary deal. I'm going to be building the kingdom of God. I'm going to leave it all on the field. I am going to remember, why did Paul do it? So that I present every man, woman, boy, or girl complete in Christ. What does complete mean? It means mature. It means full grown. It means lacking nothing. The word means brought to completion. And if you go to Hebrews 5 and 6, you'll see Paul ripping the believers up because they're still babies. Now, so if somebody, if you, you know, you have a child and that child's six months old, nobody fusses that it can't walk, can't feed itself. It's six months old. Okay, we expect that to be a baby. But at five years old, feed yourself. Are you with me? And see, Paul said, hey, you guys ought to be having some steak and potatoes. You guys ought to be in the meat of the Word of God. You ought to be serving. You ought to be growing. You ought to be used mightily by God. And I still got to feed you. I've got to give you milk, he said, because you're not able to handle the meat. All the thing I can give you is milk. Does that make sense? And so what we all need to do, whatever level we're at, is we need to get into the process that God has placed, that God has placed here. And so what do we do? People walk in the front door of a living room in a small group, or they walk into the front door of a worship service in one of our campuses, and we want to help them give their heart to Jesus. And then when they've taken the step of faith, of salvation, then we want to help them get in the waters of baptism, put on God's uniform. And when they put on the God's uniform, we want to help them begin in the area of serving others, because you can never grow if you're not serving. We've created a culture, again, church-wise, where I come, take notes, and go and don't do anything with it. We've heard the word, but we haven't done the word. And hearing the word and not doing the word means nothing. Are you with me? Matter of fact, it'd probably be better that you hadn't heard the word and didn't do it than you heard the word and didn't do it. Either way, it's going to be ugly. And so that, that's the deal. So we, we help people serve. Then we help people get involved in the generosity journey. Can I tell you something? Listen. If you're not giving, you don't learn faith. Are you with me? You can't, there is so much you can't learn until you, until you develop the heart of God, until you develop the heart of generosity, until you, until you see. So we, and then we help people get involved in a small group for, for prayer, for accountability, for, to study the Word of God together. And then, and then when people have hit those five things, we encourage them to sign and, and say, hey, I want to be a part of the core. I, I want to be a part of the people you can count on, Pastor. I want to be a part of the church that Jesus can count on. I'm ready to lay it all down on the field. And people say, hey, man, I'm in. 
those five things. But people tell me all the time, Pastor, you understand, I am too busy. Man, I, I've got my kids are in sports, and, man, we're running, and we got this, and we got that, and, and man, we're, we, we got, we got, we got. Or people say, hey, you know, I tried small group, and it was horrible. I mean, Hannibal Lecturing went to my small group. I believe they were eating people. And if they weren't eating people, they were talking badly enough about them. They were trying to eat people. You just don't understand. Listen, I, hey, hey, I've been, to, I've been to some bad doctors. But if I'm sick, I'm going back. Not to those. To another one. I've been to some horrible restaurants. It made me sick. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had food poisoning? It's horrible. But guess what? Next time I got hungry, I ate. And I go to restaurants because God is at the restaurants. I mean, I'm out there. So, so, so there, listen, the enemy will enable you with excuses. He will lay at your justification a reason not to say the Bible, a reason not to go to group, a reason not to give, a reason not to serve. He'll just lay all these excuses on you. If you'll accept an excuse, you'll never excel. If you'll accept an excuse, you'll never achieve your potential. Does that make sense? You say, but I got all these things to do in my business. Listen, hey, I'd rather have God reach my potential in God's favor than me working on my own all I could. Psalms 26, it's, it's in vain to rise early and work all day and eat the bread of painful labors, for God blesses his children even while they're asleep. Are you with me? And so, man, God always comes through. So I don't know where you're on the process. Maybe you've not given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you haven't followed through in believer's baptism. You say, well, man, I got, I got baptized since I was eight days old. Did you make that choice? No, somebody made that choice for you. This is a, your choice. I'm standing up for Jesus. Or, or, or okay, I'm, I'm not serving anywhere, but I really don't have time to serve. I, I wonder how Jesus made time for the cross. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad when you came there was somebody there to serve? Aren't you glad there was somebody there to take care of your kids the day you got saved? Aren't you glad there was somebody that had given the money that bought a building and paid for a seat that your butt was in the time you got saved? Are y'all with me? See, we, we, so, it is, so once rescued people rescue people, those of us that have, been, have entered in the kingdom of God, now we, we give it out to others. So I want to challenge you. Listen, you want a life that matters? Spend your life caring for other people. Because if you spend all your life caring about you, what are you? Selfish, narcissistic, self-centered, it's all about me. You spend your life about others, you're going to be like Jesus. So maybe you've never, ever given your heart to Jesus. So at every campus, for our campus pastors, everybody, if you guys could just make your way down in our prayer teams at every campus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you some what we call a confessional prayer. And if you're ready to step over the line and make the faith decision to give your heart to Jesus, then with every head bowed, every eye closed, at every campus right now, guys, just pray this prayer with me. Pray it out loud all around East Tennessee. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. I know my sin separates me and you, and I want you. So I repent of my sins. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the grave. And I put all my faith in you.
Help me to walk it. Help me to get in your process. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give him, give him some praise. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, and not all of us have said it out loud, but, but you gave your heart to Jesus, take the card that's in front of you and fill that out. We're dismissing just a minute. You can put it in the offering box. If you're on Internet Campus, you can go right there and click the communication card, or you can click to the chat room, and somebody is waiting. would love to minister to you right now, wherever you're at, around the world. We are on the Internet specifically for you. And so those of us that are, that are in this room, there's going to be campus, there's going to be people up here who love to pray with you. But listen, as, as we hit summer and, and we're gone again, I want to challenge you to go on the internet campus. I want to challenge you to, man, let's rock and roll. But hey, pray about camp. Because I've seen lots of students saved at camp. I've seen lots of kids called at camp. I've seen people meet their spouse at camp. That'll scare some moms and dads. <laughs> Let us help you grow. We're just trying to sow the seed of the word. So let us help you. Again, let me say one more time. Take the card in your seat that's the Global Leadership Summit, GLS. I promise you, listen, if you go and you don't enjoy it, I'll give your money back. Because it will change your life because we all have got to up our leadership level. Amen. Hey, y'all enjoying the series, Roots? Come on, man. Be back next weekend. Bring somebody with you. We love you.